Welcome to Spirit Connection with Doug Addison. Get ready to hear God, encounter the supernatural, and discover your destiny. Doug is a prophetic speaker, author, and coach whose message of love, hope, and having fun reaches people around the world. Connect with him online at DougAddison.com. Hey everybody, Doug Addison here. Welcome to another Spirit Connection podcast, webcast. We're doing a special interview. Again, I'm going to bring back on, we had such a great response previously to my good friend Steve Shogren, who's going to be on in just a minute. And Steve is one of the founders and forerunners with his wife, Janie, of the Servant Outreach or Servant Evangelism Kindness Outreach Father and Mother. Seriously, they've been around for many years. That doesn't make them old or anything like that. But I'm just saying, they've been around and taught me uh, so much in this area of outreach, in the area of kindness. And his ministry now is kindness.com. What a great name of a website. But uh, we had him on once before where we talked about outreach. But then Steve also wrote a special book. It's called The Day I Died. And so, wow. So we have two comedians here. We're going to be talking about death today to get things going. Hey, Steve, welcome to the broadcast. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. Good to be with you. Yeah, it's always good. Uh, maybe some people didn't know about or see the last webcast we did together. So go ahead and just tell us about you and what you do. Yeah, I have... Um been a pastor for a long time. I'm right now not a pastor. I have planted five churches, which is kind of my wife Janie's and my forte of going around and starting things from scratch. And uh, so here we are now. We live in Los Angeles. My wife Janie is a pastor at a local church, um, writing books, coaching, and uh, still writing about kindness, the power of kindness to change the world. The uh, Romans 2.4, the kindness of God leads to a radical life change by the uh, message version. And so that that's really our, our passion. That's been our, our thing for a long time. Uh, had a friend call me the other day and say, so you still doing that kindness stuff? And I said, yeah. And he goes, well, that's great. Keep at it. And I, I said, <laughs> and we gave up on kindness. Now we're into rude and uh, yeah. confrontation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that was one of the messages that I really took to. Back in the 90s, I uh, started... You know, I was going into ministry, getting ready to get some ministry training. And and so I the, the servant evangelism and I, the E word was never popular to begin with, you know, oh. but you guys made it so fun. And and you you introduced something which what I was able to take back to, uh, you know, the, the churches that I was part of in California. You were in Ohio. But that part about just going out because it's high risk, you know, when you go out there, mm-hmm. you know, but you found a way to make it. What is it that you say? You go ahead and say Oh, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is fun. Yeah. And is that the one you're talking yeah, about? No, about high risk or low, low risk. High risk, low grace. Low, yeah. 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I had it backwards. <laughs> That's what typical evangelism is. is high risk. A lot could go wrong and not a lot of dependence on God. Yeah. Low risk, high grace. Right. And so when you're being kind and going out and doing stuff, then it's a high grace because people, you know, you're giving stuff away. And this low risk, because, you know, if you want diet or regular, you know, or how much rejection could that be? You know, so Not much. That is it was so good. Then you've, of course, taken it 
even further from there. And we that's why uh, on our last podcast together, we talked about that. And we talked about the different things that you can do now and how you've updated it. It's been really great. Uh, anything you want to just add about that? Yeah, Um we're just discovering new things all the time, Doug. We, you know, we live in Los Angeles now, like I said, and here you have to say it in a way that people can hear it and, and take it to heart. And so I've been doing uh, a lot of outreach to pets. Uh, <laughs> I know. The, You're so serious. I know. We've had several docs has come to the Lord recently. Puppy, no. Puppies are people, too. I'm just saying. <laughs> in California. <laughs> so we, we've been giving out dog treats um, where I live on the uh, eastern part of the L.A. basin. There's uh, a lot of – it's kind of a, a destination community where there's lots of great restaurants and coffee places and so forth. So I've been out scraping gum off the sidewalks, and I have a, a vest that says on the back of it, kindness and progress. Wow. And so people yeah. come up, and I've got my little scraper thing there and my vest on, and they go, this is awfully nice for the city to do this. And I <laughs> said, well, I'm just totally volunteering. I just think Jesus picks up gum. And they look at you like, huh. Wow, wow. And, you know, that's what I call a tilt is that, you know, they just got a new idea, a new definition about who Jesus is, what the church is. It's pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, and that we're, it's not all about money and stuff. You know, it's, it's about people. It yeah. really gets the wall down. So I added the prophetic element to that, and you too. You are really you have a strong prophetic gift, and and so when we get together, and even we go in through drive through coffee, we know we're we're giving people words and being kind, of course. Of course, you yeah. tip good, buy them something. Give know. a great tip, yeah. Yeah. After the day at lunch, I gave the lady a great tip and got to pray for her and got a prophetic word for her, and she's doing one of his big eyes blinking thing. You know, it was, it was fun. Yeah. yeah. You know, my mom, she's in heaven now, but she was a what would be called a career waitress. That's what she did. And, uh, you know, she had a servant gift and she taught me things. She used to say, man, do I ever hate Sundays? And she was a believer. <laughs> she goes, man, those Christians are cranky and they tip bad. <laughs> yeah, so, Janie, Janie was a waitress. That's, we actually met doing all the above uh, in college. And uh, she put a... Uh, a little something on top of some books. It turned out to be a Bible on top of the books. And the guy went crazy. You know, you can't put a, uh, a saucer on a Bible. Oh, I never thought of it before, you know. But <laughs> Christians are interesting, aren't they? Yeah. Wow, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's amazing. So when I met you, we went out to dinner at one point, but I, I had been really wanting to meet you for a number of years. Finally, we got together and we were talking and because... You had transitioned out of Ohio where you had actually been part of planting one of the largest vineyard churches in the world, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, which we you know, probably wasn't given a lot of credit for, but it's true. And the Cincinnati Vineyard was a real source for me, you know, of watching your podcast back when no one was doing podcasts. You've been into technology way back then, yeah. and uh, it was around. But then I got together with you and... Your transition out of Cincinnati, and and just maybe that came because something happened at a hospital, right? Yeah, I went for a simple surgery, which two words that probably we shouldn't put together because if they anesthetize you, it's not simple anymore. Um, But I went in for a gallbladder surgery. Uh, In the course of things, the uh, hospital the doctor hit my aorta and it turns out your aorta, I didn't know this, but it goes down toward your belly button and then it branches out from there. But as I, uh, 
was conked out. They hit my aorta. I died. I completely extinguished. There was no blood. They, in the end, patched me up, but I did die for a number of minutes. Um, I, I saw all sorts of stuff, and uh, it was interesting. Not so scary. I'll, I'll tell you about it today as we're talking, but uh, life-changing, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, now I'm trying to put on my face of, gosh, you died, you know, when <laughs> you always make me laugh, and I was afraid of, <laughs> you'd make me laugh during the, you just told me you died. No, I'm kidding you. Yeah. But we sat and talked in detail. I went, I've stayed at your house a couple times, and you told me the stories and, uh, and about how angels came in, and wow. And so you got to write a book, huh? Yeah, the day I died. And it sold very well, actually. And I speak about that now out here and there. And I, in fact, I was up in Santa Barbara about a month ago, I guess it was, maybe two months ago, and uh, got to tell my story at a, uh, sheesh, it's not a, a typical Christian church, but it's, uh, I can't think of what they call it. But anyway, it was, they, they don't consider themselves Christians at all. They're New Agers. And told my story. It was, it was really a, a fun time. A unity yeah. church or something like that? Was it unity, unity, that's it. I told yeah. you the story. Yes, unity. Right. And the funny thing is, is that at the end, these three people wanted to talk. It turns out they were a part of my church in Cincinnati. And one of them had been on staff for like three years. I'd never met her because it was a big staff. Yeah, you guys had a big staff. <laughs> yeah, over 100. But it, it was pretty funny. What are you doing at the unity church? You know, right. I had to get them a little bit. Well, now you were there because you're an, you're an outreach guy. And that's, yeah. that's like me. I go speak places case people are wondering, you know, watching us later, what the heck's he doing? You know, I'm, I'm going to yeah. ask for his, uh, his statement of faith. Uh, but we are believers. and uh, But we go in places because there's something about the kindness of God. And, and as you operate in it, of course, if you've, if you've got a great story like you do and that you've survived this place you've been there, you can go in and tell it places mm-hmm. anywhere. And I got invited into the uh, speak in front of the pagan society at a, at a university and uh, <laughs> it's so much fun uh, to do stuff like that and your story opens the door so yeah, yeah. just tell us more about that about well, not the uh, unity church about the <laughs> the, the near death thing yeah um, I, I always thought it would be kind of cool to sit down next to uh, Lazarus right after he died and was raised etc and there's a lot to that you could develop right. it but uh, I, I, if I was the one sitting down doing the David Letterman interview, I would say, Lazarus, what happened? You know, I just kind of throw it out there because from having talked to a number of people that have had near-death experiences, I was on a, a show a while back called That's uh, Supernatural. Sid Roth. Sid Roth, thank you. And there was a number of people there that were doing different show segments, and everybody's story's a little different. You know, but with me, the the first thing I was aware of, I can jump into this, is um, I could see from the the, the top down, and I, I know that sounds common, but that's what happened with me. I, I saw uh, the whole flurry of activity going on. Doctors, uh, I could hear the music. Later on, I asked because two of the nurses were from my church, and uh, were they playing not just specifically. Um, uh, this one band, but were they playing this one song, et cetera? And she said, that's absolutely wow. what we're doing. And uh, so, yeah, you know, it's hard to refute that if you've actually heard the music and, and so forth. There was a doctor that was Asian. He had a face guard on, probably they all did. I, this one I remember distinctly was uh, holding my, without getting too graphic, you're holding my aorta together. Mm-hmm. And 
he uh, later on saw him at a uh, parent teacher thing and uh, his kid his son went to my daughter's school as well uh, went up and talked to him but you're the doctor that was da 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 yeah but you were dead well yeah but I could see what's going on I recognize you da, 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 but you were dead a third time he just walks away and uh, I, I think in a rational mind that is strictly empirical, we have to weigh everything that's reality, you have to be able to measure it and so forth, then uh, it would be difficult, if not impossible, to equate all that. Yeah. But I could see that going on. Uh, the next thing that, that happened was, and, and this is really wild, Doug, is I heard these words, uh, don't worry, you'll live. Don't worry, you'll live. Now, this is quite a, a jump from where I was. I was clearly dead at the time. Uh -huh. I looked as wide as a sheet. Uh, there's a, a term they use, which is not important, but they tilt your head down. If there's any possibility of uh, lack of uh, circulation, it would affect the brain. And so I, I could see, actually, from the ceiling, my head tilted down and this whole thing going on. And I had to ask later on, what, what does it mean when they tilt your head? You saw that? Yeah, I did. Um, but uh, I hear these words, don't worry, you'll live, even though it seemed like that would be impossible to live. And it didn't hit me till later that uh, I had heard those words once before, almost word for word, in high school. I was in the play Miracle Worker with uh, the Annie Sullivan and Helen Keller story. And uh, <laughs> in the play that I was in, I, I, I played this one part, I only have the very beginning of it. The line is, don't worry, she'll live. And of all the people in the world that could possibly relate to that line, I, I hear it again decades later, after high school, of course, and I hear, don't worry, you'll live. Uh, it, it's just such a specific thing that only God can cause those kinds of connections to happen. I mean, how many people on the, the entire planet could ever relate to those words? Uh, so from there, should I keep on going? Or yeah, wanna... yeah, absolutely. Because this is important, everybody, because... Listen, sometimes medicine says that you just see this white light, you know, and and that yeah. that's just something in your brain. But this is proof. I mean, he's he knew the song. Yeah. He got confirmation with people from his church that were in the room. So it's showing, in other words, this is evidence of yeah. life after death. It's evidence also of the supernatural encounters that he's going to share more of right now. Yeah. And uh, but what I what I saw from there, Doug, was it, it kind of shifted. And, and I would say this, this is a good way to describe it. I was operating at the speed of thought, and there was no uh, lack of clarity about anything going on. I, I was, boom, from here to here to there, situations, uh, an ongoing conversation. I'm not going to go into all of it. It would take a long time. But what I, what I saw next, Doug, was interesting. I, I saw and heard, uh, there's a, a term called synesthesia, where you can actually see sounds, and you can you can hear uh, a sound, and, and sometimes that's a uh, a key to a, an incredibly effective songwriter. But at the same time, it had never happened to me before. I see a picture; it would look like it was round, and I hear the words. Um, <laughs> it, it was kind of funny that the whole repeating of the "Don't worry, you'll live" again, lest I miss it, because I it would be easy to feel fearful at that moment. Again, don't worry, you'll live. And what I see, it was like a, in the old days, they had round TV screens. And I, I didn't ever have one before my time, I guess. But I could see a color version of that. And as the words were spoken, don't worry, you'll live, there was a complete shifting. It was kind of a wavy, gravy-looking thing, you know, that just uh, shifted 
all the colors of the spectrum. But I could hear on that the voices of young and old and uh, children, people with an accent. And uh, when I tell the story, I'm getting jail sexual. <laughs> and uh, don't worry, you'll love And to me, you know what that said? is that it's really all about every tribe, tongue, nation, that the creation of God uh, not only now reflects, you know, heaven and so forth, but it will even more clearly reflect that when we get to the other side, is that it's, you know, it's not just uh, middle-aged white guys that are going to be in heaven, like you and me, <laughs> but it's going to be a whole array. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to shift gears here just a little bit. Uh, ended up going into a coma, and uh, I was in a coma for a number of days. I didn't know exactly what it was, five days, six days, something like that. And uh, while I was out, it was as though it wasn't like a, a near-death experience happened and, and ba-boom, I'm on to the next thing. But it happened for day after day. I was in a, I'm not sure what you would call it exactly, a, a state of awareness. And even though I was in ICU, I could hear super clearly everything going on around me. I picked up on the uh, the nuances of this, the conversations, and, and the doctors are later on saying, but you were in a coma. How could you possibly have heard that? And uh, I could hear a Christmas album playing because it was around Christmas my accident happened, and uh, the nurses would come in and hit replay on that over and over and over. And it was Harry Connick Jr.'s first Christmas album. And <laughs> I'm thinking, the first thing I'm going to do when I get out of this coma is I'm going <laughs> to throw that thing in the trash. I mean, you know, Harry Connick's a great guy, but, I mean, 37 times in a row is a little too much. And um, But I could hear all that going on. Uh, I, I could see uh, around my bed uh, probably, I don't know, four people that were holding hands. They were in a, in a prayer a posture. I was aware, even though they were holding hands, they were looking down. They were opaque. In other words, they weren't completely transparent. I could tell they were people, and I could recognize them. This is another thing, by their eyes. I, I, could, I could see through their eyes they were distinct, unique people in the room. If I were to see those eyes again, which I think I will, those are all people that had died in the ICU in the previous 24 hours. And I didn't know any of them, but I could see very clearly, I could distinguish their eyes, is that at the same time, I, I knew their story. And I know that sounds... It may be surprising, but I knew that person died over there. In that, where, by the way, they're in that room over there in the ICU. How did you know that? Well, I just, I just know it. I, I don't know why I know, but I know it. And I, I identified three of the whatever they were, and I was right in each case. And, and this person died of a da da da. How did you know that? And, and so forth. But, but I would say this. Uh, you know that I, I think that in heaven we're going to do several things. I think one of them is we're going to worship our. Our, our our pants off or whatever you want to call it, <laughs> our hats off or something. And I think, secondly, we're going to be in a lot of intercession. And I think those people were doing exactly that. They were uh, they were doing the, the work of uh, messengers. They, they weren't angels, of course, but they were there uh, bringing a, a message of comfort and God understands, God sees what's going on. And, you know, in the middle of all that, I... I I, I felt convinced that I was not just going to live, but I was going to recover in the end. And um, I'm jumping ahead in the story a little bit there. I'll come back to that. But I uh, saw that going on. I, You know, the, the funny thing is, is when I came out of the, the coma, which happened, a, I don't know, a few days later, the first thing that I said was, they, they said, Steve, are you okay? Uh, 
big God. <laughs> and they said, uh, are you okay? Big God, big God, big God. And I had a real rough voice because I had had a uh, breathing device in my throat and, and, uh, big God. And That's they, what they you thought, were saying is big God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, they thought I had brain damage. I was like, oh, no, drain bramage because I, <laughs> I, I, I guess I did have a little bit of drain bramage. Uh, I, I seriously did. I, not to make too light yeah. of the depth perception problems now still. And um, so uh, I ended up being a, aware of that I had been in God's presence, really. It, I know it's a little different sounding story than most people tell when they have a near-death experience. But I could, I was very aware of the presence of God the entire time I was in a coma. It was, it was just, uh, fascinating to me. Yeah. So these people now, oh, for, well, first of all, uh, what year did this happen? This happened in the late 90s, uh, right around Christmas, like I said. Uh-huh. So it's been over 20 years ago now. Yeah. And, it had uh, to be 97, probably. Yeah, that's right. Because we planted our first church in 98, and we went to a conference where you you would just come out of the hospital. You're a little pale, but you... Uh, <laughs> You were uh, doing a conference, and um, and so not, that must have been uh, more like ninety eight or so, or late ninety eight yep. that we did that. So you probably was ninety seven. Just put it on the scale. But the other thing is, okay, so you see these people that are kind of they're between, I guess, earth and heaven, right? Mm-hmm. Right. That's my interpretation. Yes. Yeah, and so they hadn't been taken, or the bus hadn't come yet, apparently. Uh, <laughs> and in your case, good thing it didn't. Yeah, it's a, you know because because there's you know there's still some work to do. Or people could be praying. You know this yeah. really it helps me to understand on a faith level because you know, some people say, well, you know, it's quote the verse about you know that you die once and then you go face judgment. And well, what's he doing? Is you know with other yeah. dead people? But it's not like you know in in the case that you came back. There's people who linger or they need prayer or you know what I mean? It's not a yeah. deal. Yeah. Uh, and I remember the first time I saw this is 1989 and my mom who she's in heaven now, but she went through three brain surgeries and mm. on her first one, I don't know what to expect, you know, because my mom was a woman of faith, you know, and she woke up and uh, and she was saying this wasn't the drugs. This is my mo- I know my mom has a strong gift of uh, prophecy. Mm. It's where I got my she's saying. Why are there coffins next to us? You know, there's a coffin there, and she said, "There's a coffin over there. That guy has a coffin. She's in ICU, and those the ones that she saw were the ones who were on on life support. Mm-hmm. And they weren't, uh, you know. In other words, their spirits might not have been connected. You know, and I, was, yeah. and I did. I, I pulled the curtain. I said, "Well, they are. They're pulling. They're taking them off life support right now." But she saw a coffin, and she saw angels. Coming. So, in other words, this validates the fact of intercession. The, yes. The you know this validates the the amazing awesomeness, or as you said, big God. This validates those words of uh, such an awesome big God. Well, you know, Mike Bickle points out. Some of you guys know Mike Bickle, I imagine, but he he points out the the, the fact that well, the the observation in the book of Revelation. That it's really pretty clear that we will be interceding and, and yeah. or the end of history as we know it until that all takes place. And uh, in the meantime, worshiping and uh, feasting and uh, yeah, yeah. the good stuff. But, but yeah, I, I think you're exactly right. Your mom saw essentially what I saw as well. 
the, the current situation and where they're going and so forth. But uh, wow. Yeah, powerful. Hey, well, let's keep going. It's fun. Yeah. I love this stuff. I, I saw in the uh, in the middle of all this, and, and again, I I don't mean to sound too too few um, points of uh, uh, clarity. What's the right word of uh, uh, <laughs> being completely uh, left brain linear kind of thing. There's a lack of that here because it was really, like I said, kind yeah. of a weighty gravy right. thing. Yeah. And um, one of the things that, that happened, I saw in the middle of this whole thing, I saw a plane, uh, like a, a Midwestern U.S. plane, and it was it was dark, but I could see at the edges the the lightning striking, kaboom, kaboom. And I, I grew up in the Midwest. I've seen this exact thing before many times. And, and I don't know what that meant, but but I tell you, people ask, did you have a, a sense of the uh, the fear of the Lord there? And I said, well, I'm not sure there's any more of the fear of the Lord that I normally feel, a reverence, you know. Yeah. But at the same time, it was as though I was able to, it was a magnetic uh, awesomeness. And and I know we think of Isaiah in the temple. I saw the train of the Lord, right. the temple and so forth. And that's it. I, I read that today over, I've read it dozens of times over the years. I still get the sense of awe. At the same time, I think there's other times in my experience when God draws us in, becomes magnetic about that thing. Not not so much lowering your head, but that's what it felt like to me. Then I shifted from that to uh, being, uh, and again, I, I, I lack uh, great metaphors for explaining it all, but in a movie that uh, Terminator movie <laughs> with Arnold Schwarzenegger, he goes into a bar. Some of you have seen this. Others of you are praying for us right now because you don't watch movies. But <laughs> and he sees the entire array of people, and he knows instantly as he looks at them the, the size he can he can size them up, if you will, literally. And he needs something or other clothes or something, and he gets it from a guy. And it was like that for me too is that I was aware that I was being sized up, but not in a negative way at all, but in a way that was encouraging. And I was aware that I, and again, it wasn't a linear uh, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. You know, God doesn't think in linear ways. I'm convinced of that. He thinks in circles. And that's very much the Eastern way of, of thinking versus linear, which is, you know, more of a recent invention in the Western world. And so... As uh, this whole thing is is winding and 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 going on, and and I'm uh, aware of this and that and so forth, I'm aware that, that God has kind of found me wanting in, in some areas. They, they call it a, a life review is a very common thing that goes on with near death people, and I and I had a sense that not only had I done well here, here, and here, but over these areas I could do a whole lot better. And at no point was I thinking I'll never go back, even though. You know, observation defied that. It looked like I was you know, not only about to die, but I had died. And and yet I, I at that point, I, having heard twice, don't worry, you'll live, I, I had no big fear of that whole thing going down. But I was aware that I, I'd been read, uh, R-E-A-D, and it was like an instant knowing of me. And th there's no hiding, there's no uh, ducking behind the bush or whatever, but it's uh, all about being being seen by the Lord. And, and, you know, the funny thing is, Doug, is I felt such courage, such an impartation of capacity to uh, go back and, and not so much to try harder. I'm at a point now in life where I've tried and tried and tried and tried, and I'm kind of burned out on trying. <laughs> 
but to receive the the strength, the encouragement, uh, the capacity of God, and and that's what I, I sense so strongly. Thus, when I woke up, I'm going, big God, big God, big God. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I guess that is a kind of a, you know, it, you you like people say is that you your life flashes before your eyes. I guess you know, and that's that's what that is. Yeah, where you realize, you know, the grace of God. Well. God must have had something in store for you, you know, something more. And have you really pondered that part of what, you know, why'd you come oh, yeah. back to write a book? You know, no, I don't know. Why? Well, you know, the funny thing is, is that uh, I didn't realize it at the time, but uh, a gallbladder surgery, not to scare anybody, but it can, there's a lot of really pretty important parts of your body right around your gallbladder. Mm-hmm. And uh, it isn't a, you know, an assumption same day surgery by any means, having a gallbladder removed. And, uh, and mine was done, by the way, with a laparoscopic procedure, which was part of the problem that the thing went too far down, hit my aorta, and thus the, the, the loss of blood and so forth. But what I began to realize is that God has intentions of me doing something bigger, more. I'm not sure where bigger is the best word, but more to do. Mm-hmm. And I come to find out that only a very small percentage of people that have that injury uh, survive. And by that, I, I said to the people doing the research, I, so you mean like uh, one in a, in a thousand? No, 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 no. More like there's like nine people alive today wow. that we know have been through what you've been through. Wow. I said, nine, you mean like here in town? No, nine in the world. Wow, 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 wow. <laughs> so very, very rare, all things considered, uh, went, in, went through a, um, uh, they call it uh, multiple system shutdown. Mm-hmm. Right. Or, uh, you start to get pneumonia, you have your septic, uh, part of your intestines, da da da. And so that all went down with, with me as well. But I began to, to realize even then, I, uh, it was almost as though God was saying, I want you to dream again. You know, begin to redefine, get the new normal. And the new normal, not meaning that you have leg problems, which I do a little bit, not that you have drain bramage like I kidded about a minute ago, but that you can become the the person I put in your heart to become, the, the, yeah. dream, the dream I've given you. And uh, you and I both know, Doug, there's a unique dream that God gives us. And, and I think there's a, a need to go back and not just revisit it, but to have a holy empowering that goes on so that we can really get back to the what was intended to be the new normal all along. But mm-hmm. uh, like maybe like you, you can relate to it. I get little adjustments along the way, small things so the trajectory is going the right direction. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, but, I can attest that you came back and uh, you changed my life. Uh, and when we were, well, you were already in ministry. We were our first church plant, Linda and I, um, we planted a vineyard in Ohio and uh, north of where you were. But uh, during that period of time, we were struggling and uh, you were, you know, I was using your sermons. You gave me notes. You just like gave me stuff and when we were about, you know, it was time for us to hand it off to someone, you pretty much was the person who just got was on the phone. We had someone there the next day. There's so many things that you've done. Then mm-hmm. you've taken it, you know, like your the kindness part, uh, where you were one of the fathers and mothers uh, with, with Janie of kindness outreach. It's mm-hmm. it's now gone around the world. There's been a movie kind of fashioned after you, right? Uh, and uh, there's been more to it, I believe. Here's what I really believe. It's because I've known you for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I believe that the message that you have is now. It's for the generation now. 
because mm. kindness has now been forgotten. Yeah. And you have a hat right now that maybe you could just tilt it down. It just says, what does yeah. it say? Make America kind again. Yeah, make America kind again. And right before we came on the broadcast, I was writing my prophetic word, and it was about an angry wind that's been blowing. And uh, I believe that it's people like uh, Steve and Janie and their ministry that are changing the spiritual atmosphere, literally. And you've helped me, like... To get over myself, uh, yeah. you know, to, in fact, last year, I think it was, as Santa Monica, I'm going into, it's inconvenient to be kind. I just could, you know, I was going into the Starbucks to get my, get my iced tea and I came out and, and I get in the car and Linda said, you know, cause there's a homeless guy and, you know, surprise, it's California and Santa Monica. They have rights here. The weather's good, you know, <laughs> but there's still people. Yeah. And the Lord, Linda said, "Do you have a word for that guy?" And and mm-hmm. I thought, well, gosh, I don't know. So I went, I went back in and got a, you know, the first thing you don't want to just walk up and just give a word, a you know, prophetic word. I went in and got him, you know, a gift card. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get to give him a gift card because, I mean, I didn't get to give him a prophetic word because the gift card itself caused him to break down in tears, like I was the kindest person that. Uh, he had ever met. He goes, you went back in for me. See, it wasn't so much the $5 or the $10 gift card. It was the fact that he saw me walk by to go back in for him. Yeah. And that, so in other words, that moved me. Mm-hmm. That moves me. Your message from years ago even moves me still. And then another one, you know, I do tattoo interpretation. So I go into the Starbucks. I realize one day there's mm-hmm. a homeless guy outside. I don't even know his name. And uh, I said, the Lord said, you don't even know his name. So I went out and I thought, well, well you know, I, he had a tattoo. And I said, what's your name? And he's, you know, I gave him something. I had to give him a gift card first. The kindness brings the wall down, right? Yeah. But yeah. not just the kindness. You go a little further, you know, and you can add, add, add value added in that. And I interpreted the tattoo that he had. And it was, uh, you know, if my life's so crazy. If I don't laugh, something about, you know, the fact of a you know, I, I would cry if I don't laugh. And so this is it, man. You have this real powerful gift uh, and this real powerful message that you've come back to the world to share. Now, something's going on right now. I think that people, some people, because these, my podcasts and webcasts go all over the world and they're out on YouTube and stuff. And so maybe right now that, that I don't normally do this, but maybe you, you don't know what's going to happen when you die. Uh, You know, and maybe, Steve, can you maybe lead us in a prayer or address that with people? Well, you know, um, let me say something in the world prayer. I had a tremendous life lock of fear going on uh, up until the point of my near-death experience. Uh, I was almost exactly the same age as my dad when Mm -hmm. he died suddenly, which is weird. You hear this every so often, you know, like... uh, like a generational thing almost. Mm-hmm. And uh, what, what I happened is I, I had dream after dream after dream, night after night, almost, I can almost say it was probably 90% of the time. It was about spiders coming to chase me. Uh, I was being chased down by spiders, etc. Met you, and you said, that isn't necessarily you're running away from the bad, but you're running toward God. Is that about right? Mm-hmm. From yeah, yeah, yeah. that there's something for you to do. and. Yeah. Yeah, so they, yeah. It. yeah. And so uh, that was liberating to hear that. But that was after the fact that I stopped having the dreams. Hmm. And I, I'm pretty convinced that 
not only are we intended to live free from the fear of death, but that God has come to liberate us from the fear of death. Yeah. From the, I would call it more of a concern for death. And even though I was a believer and I was helping other believers as a pastor get over their fear of death, I was still gripped by the whole thing. It's embarrassing. I was leading people to Christ right and left, but at the same time, I was, you know, do you want to know how to get to heaven when you die for sure? Right, right. <laughs> and I, I knew the heaven part was there, but I didn't want to be yeah. anywhere near the death thing. And uh, let me just pray right now for a second. Is that okay? Yeah, go for it. And, and Lord, I, I pray for uh, anybody listening, anybody tuning in, Lord, that you would come and that you would lift off of them. You'd lift off of us, Lord God, a uh, paralysis of, of, uh, Dealing with death, Lord, let the life of God, Lord, come and breathe life now in the very deepest part of our, our minds. And, and, Lord, let it be a, uh, a liberation that comes, Lord. Yeah. You light the fire, Lord. Let it happen by your strength. Yeah. I proclaim freedom from fear of death. I proclaim over you now the uh, excitement about being with Christ and that there'd be yeah. never again, I pray in the name of the Lord, never again. A, being caught up in the fear of death that would captivate you. In the name of Christ, we agree together. Yeah, amen. amen. And you know, if if you've never received Jesus, it's just easy. Just ask Him in your heart right now. There's yeah. no magic prayer. <laughs> just do that. And uh, and uh, you know, I just thought this is after I met you. You know, after we got together and stuff, yeah. I had a near death experience. You know, over the last few years, I've been uh, hit with an affliction. No one knew what was wrong with me, and I got to a place where um, about uh, 2014, I believe it is, I came to a place where I almost died. I was down mm-hmm. to 128 pounds. No one knew what was wrong. And uh, and I just went through that, you know, where I was taking a look. And I had a lot of death in my family because of Huntington's disease and things. But, you know, when you look at it now, I don't have any fear anymore. I used to be a fearful person, and I used to be afraid of the dark and afraid of death, and I was afraid of all this stuff. But you know what? I found out now that heaven is so real. It really is. Yeah. Heaven's the only reality. Yeah. And it really, it is, it is so real. And I don't mean, I don't want to, you know, like get you on the express car to get you there. You know what I mean? I don't, don't try to get there too soon. But, but it is true. It's a piece of God is so powerful and we're what we're talking about today then uh you have it is it you address this stuff in your book yes i do and um and talk about follow-up things because you know the funny thing is doug is that is that when you've been through a near-death experience almost everybody has homework to do afterwards not just because of what god tells them to do to be about but there's a lot of forgiving to go on yeah and in my life specifically uh I, there was a lawsuit connected with this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, thank God there was because I've had enormous medical bills. Right. I've had eight surgeries to correct the original messed up surgery. But they, they offered to settle out of court right from the get-go. They called me up within a few weeks. Uh, the odd thing about it is uh, I felt compelled to go to court because I felt like there was a problem to correct with this hospital system. And without naming the hospital, just last week, it came out in the news that that same hospital doing a very simple procedure killed uh, Neil Armstrong, wow. the uh, first man on the moon. I mean, of all the people you <laughs> don't want to die into your care, Neil Armstrong would be right at the top of the list. Right, right. I mean, he was 82 at the time, and it was non-essential surgery, and he died. Hmm. Uh, 
Um, but I've had to go back, Doug, and it's been a, a lot of homework, really, to go back and ask people to forgive me on occasion for things. I had yeah. to go back to the entire staff of dozens and dozens of people at the Vineyard in Cincinnati, ask them to forgive me one-on-one because my brokenness, my accident caused them great difficulty. And you, you think about it, it adjusted everybody, not just my family, but all the people that work with me. They all had to take a different role because of me being being gone. And uh, and uh, a permanent roles that were different. And so uh, it's a process. You have to go through and you have to either ask for forgiveness or, or forgive others. Um, you know, the funny thing is, is that, you know, my, my fingernails are normal like anybody else's now pretty much. But for the longest time, right from the get-go, I could see at the bottom of all my, my ten fingers here, there was a little, like, dot. It's kind of weird looking. And then as time went on, weeks, months, whatever, it started growing out. It was it was actually a, a horizontal line. You could picture it like like this. But it kept growing and growing. Eventually it grew out. But it took, my word, probably six to nine months for it to grow out. And every time I looked at my hands, the odd thing is I'm thinking, yeah, I'm making progress. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, there's something yeah. going on here. And uh, I'm walking through something here. And, uh, and eventually that all went away. But, you know, I, I have a feeling that when you've been through a near-death experience like this, and maybe you can relate to this too, is that there's homework to do and forgiving to do. And on it goes. In the end, uh, we, we didn't become multimillionaires, anything like that at all. And uh, looking back now uh, and seeing how much Neil Armstrong's family got, yeah. I'm going, sheesh, what happened there? You know, but, but the... Uh, the funny thing is, is that uh, as we kind of got to the the end of the whole uh, thing being played out, I, I realized that I've got to forgive. I've got to do whatever it takes to get things right. I ended up in the end paying for all of the hospital bills out of that winnings, quote unquote, which wasn't a tremendous amount of money. But I, I paid for the all three hospitals that had, been, including the one that had uh, done the damage. Mm. And <laughs> looking back now, I'm thinking, man. That, that was pretty cool, actually. <laughs> but it was a deal where, uh, you, you know, the lawyers are all staring at me after the signing of this and that. Well, you know, it is traditional. People pay for the bills of the hospital. And I, I'm, I'm thinking, it, not those guys. And, and it, it, God just gave me a 30-second kick, kick, you know, a tilt again, going the right direction back. And you know what? I haven't called you to hold on to. I've called you to release. I've called yeah, you to right. release money, but to release uh, blame. Yeah. And to on, um, and that that might be as big a, a lesson as anything, Doug. Yeah, actually, right. uh, and for whatever residual I've got going on, I have I limp a little bit. I have depth perception issues. Uh, like I said, the drain damage is taking a little bit of a toll. But at the same time, uh, it, it's been a liberation. Where I, I think if I had not done the giving the money back to the hospitals that. That I, I, it would have really kept me stuck. Right. Yeah. It's a your act of kindness, actually. It was yeah, an it's... ultimate uh, act of kind. And my my actually my healing came through forgiveness. Uh, oh. And what I found out that they couldn't find anything wrong with me mm-hmm. in my sickness, uh, you know, my affliction, I call it, because I didn't really know what it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my body had gone down to to you know 128, 29 pounds. Uh, I was 165 previously. No. And it, and it was a point where I had a, the epiphany was in 2015, and the Lord said that it, it was it was the wounding in my heart that I've never been able to forgive the Lord even, mm-hmm. you know. And there's things that 
that there's so power in forgiveness. There's, and that's why today, you know, when we're talking about kindness and, uh, you know, I talk, I, I have the daily prophetic words that are you know, things that I release that are positive, you know, the positive side of God, because Amen. it will shift. I tell you, not only does it shift people when you give them something free, that tilt, but it'll mm-hmm. shift things over your own life. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and it, it's just an amazing thing. Anything else you want to share or talk about well, at the? Yeah, you know, I I um, I could go on and on and on, but but I I, I think to capture the whole thing uh, in uh, a, a nutshell is I think I've become contagious, uh, and I become when you're contagious about something, and we all are to, about something, whether it's for good or for bad or for up or down. That I, I have people come to my life all the time that are stuck, uh, and they're on fear of death, right? And they're on, you know, lack of, uh, uh, and I don't mean to say it incorrectly, but I, I think the lack of being able to trust God in that aspect yeah. of their lives. And so, uh, I've had just uh, enormous numbers of opportunities to go and share that, to pray with people. I'm going to Sydney, Australia here not too long from now and to Bogota, Colombia and, uh, tell them my story. And uh, could not be more excited, especially about Bogota, because uh, there's such a all of my uh, in-laws are Hispanic. <laughs> Every one of them. <laughs> my my great aunt, who is very Swedish Norwegian, said, "Whatever you do, don't marry Hispanics." My sister. <laughs> I don't know why she said that. You know what? They all go out and get married to Hispanics. It was fantastic. What I realize now is that in in many um, Hispanic Catholic. Uh, Families, it's difficult to uh, to really see beyond the immediate, to see beyond the uh, maybe a, a sense of failure in many cases. And I, I am so excited about launching and lighting some fuses down there in, in Bogota yeah. and then as well. You know. Yeah. Well. So. All right. Well, how do we stay in touch with you? How do you get your book? What else? You know. How uh, how can we do uh, that? Well, go to kindness.com. That would be the way to make an initial connection. And uh, I do five days a week, something similar to what you do, Doug. I, I do a, uh, a quote. And uh, sometimes there's stuff that I've said to other people as well. Uh, probably the easiest way to do it would be either on Facebook or on Twitter. So five days a week, uh, I'm seeing that happen. Lots of really interesting things coming back from that. People chiming in saying that was exactly what you needed at the time. You get that all the time, I yeah. imagine. Uh-huh. You know? So how do you spell your name? That's the other thing. Oh, how do you spell my name? Yes, because that's how you find you, right? On Twitter? Yeah, yeah. S-J-O-G-R-E-N. S-J-O-G-R-E-N. And it's uh, not that difficult to pronounce, but it looks completely different. It's uh, Shogren. Uh-huh. And my, my wife was actually on the Price is Right show, and <laughs> she knew they wouldn't call on her if they couldn't pronounce her name, so she put the pronunciation on the back of the card. And uh, the first contestant on the Price is Right is Janie Shogren. Come on down. And <laughs> She wins a bunch of stuff, and I—it uh, was very cool. But, but it's a very easy name to pronounce. This is difficult to to spell. <laughs> yeah. Well, check out kindness.com. Get all of Steve's book, The Day I Died, and along with all of his other resources. And Steve and Janie are the real deal. They've changed my life, changed the life of millions of people. I'm so grateful that God uh, brought you back. Mm-hmm. And uh, the stories are amazing, the supernatural things. Uh, and so apparently you were on, uh, you know, you've been on some TV shows, but I have this feeling that you're going to be, there's something new coming to you right now, you know, in this year, 
this next year and the new avenues are going to open up and this get your story out there personally your story not just of dying but your story of kindness because it's radically changed the world we're really grateful for you both uh-huh. thanks for being on the broadcast with us you know in the middle of all of the above of things breaking down we just got to look for the the little crack in the door to go through of light yeah exactly and, uh, the one thing I did at the last hospital I was at, I was still in a wheelchair. I couldn't get around very well because my legs weren't working right yet. And I had to learn to rewalk, actually. But uh, people would come into my room and say, do you have any anything I can do for you? I'd say, give me all your change. And we would have a pile of quarters, went down and bought popsicles, began to give them out to people door to door in the hospital. Wow. And uh, in a wheelchair, pushing along. <laughs> Want a red one or a green one or a yellow right. one? Kindness. You know, everywhere you go, and that's what we do. And we've just we've we've combined that, you know, that kindness. Yeah. And now I call it, you know, I actually tell people you can go on a a negativity fast. So basically, that's a that's a kindness binge. You know, you. <laughs> I love it, Doug. <laughs> let's I'll go binge. Uh, you know, let's go to the smorgasbord. <laughs> let's go uh, binge on some on some kindness. And so yeah, I- so it's been powerful. Your message has impacted us. One of my favorite projects is cleaning toilets. I go into restaurants and to uh, public places, of yeah. course. And I, I call that a heroic levels, heroic levels of outreach. Yeah. <laughs> and so sometime if you, anybody listening in here, if you if I'm in town, come with me. We'll go clean toilets together. I would love to do He does. It's just so amazing. Uh, I remember when I first was trying to get a hold of you, uh, no, there was no one in that department that I, at your church that had the business card. They they gave me a a, a this bubblegum scented urinal screen that <laughs> had your website on it. Yeah, it had our name on it and our phone number. Yeah. <laughs> it said, uh, showing God's love in a practical way. Yeah, the it was so powerful. All right, everybody, we're so grateful for what God is doing, and we're thankful for Steve uh, and his wife, Janie, and their family. Go check them out on kindness.com. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to Spirit Connection with Doug Addison. Connect with him online at dougaddison.com.